As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Can't Wait Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the final week, the countdown, final days of the Adam Gase era as head coach of the New York Jets. Tim McMaster here, along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to your podcast or right here on YouTube if you're catching us live. And uh, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple if you could do that as well. Lots to get to on the show, including... Mailbag. We'll do a lot of mailbag. A lot of questions came through Twitter. Uh, throw them in the chat as well. We'll get to those. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Gase's final game coming up and potential replacements for him after the season. The Sugar Bowl's coming up on Friday. That means Justin Fields taking the field one more time, taking on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but we got to start here, Connor. It leaked out a few weeks ago on the show when we were actually, the whole plan was to make fun of Marissa for the fact mm. that she's never watched Game of Thrones. And it kind of blew up to the point that it was a bigger deal that you haven't seen Star Wars, but you've taken upon yourself to correct that error in your life and start at, and I like the order you've chosen. So you're starting with, you did Rogue yeah. One and you did episode four, A New Hope, which mm-hmm. is a good way to, good time to check in because those movies almost butt up against each other the way yeah. Rogue One ends and then A New Hope begins, even though they were made, what, 50, 45 years apart. Uh, so, so what do you think so far? I mean, I will say Rogue One may be the best Star Wars movie. I know some people take that as sacrilege yeah. that it's not one of the original three, or but it is a fantastic movie, a good place to start. Yeah, that's what that's what I was told. I actually I put that one out on on Twitter because I didn't know, as someone who has only seen the one where Darth Vader becomes Darth Vader on the I think it's the prequel. So the Number one where 30, like yeah. there's yeah Obi Wan and like. Um, Thor's girlfriend's in it and like all that stuff like I've only seen that one and uh like minor like lightsaber battles from the other ones that people say for me so I didn't I didn't know like the proper way that you're supposed to go about watching these things like are you when you watch them for the first time like do you go chronological so would I go one two three four five six seven eight nine definitely not that's well that's what I thought (laughs) like that was what I was originally going to go in and do and I was immediately shot down by everyone on social media that said are you out of your goddamn mind? And so they were like, no, you do 
you do four, five, six, Mandalorian, then go one, two, three. But I was like, I'm not, I'm not like this. I'm not watching all like the Mandalorian. Like we're gonna that that'll come after the movies, but I'm not yeah. doing going through two seasons before I then go back. So what I settled on was that they said you start with Rogue One because that's like a good introduction to Star Wars. Like it's a it's a good movie, is what people said. Then you go four, five, six. You can skip one if you want, or you can watch one, two, three, and then you go like seven, eight, nine is what they said to do. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do it in the, the order that they were released in, with the exception of Rogue. And I will say, I thought Rogue was was an excellent movie. I thought that that could, I thought that, I'm not a Star Wars guy, I'm not, I'm not like going crazy. It wasn't for me like a fanboy moment where I was like, oh my God, look at this. Oh, this is how this dot connects. So I went in like, this is the first real Star Wars movie I'm watching since middle school. And I thought that movie could like stand on its own. Like if that wasn't even tied to Star Wars and that wasn't uh, linked to Star Wars and that was just a movie, I thought it could stand up as like, this is a legit movie. It was good. And then starting episode four, I actually really enjoyed that one too. Now there were like questions I had when all this started. Like I didn't know the Death Star literally blows up planets. Like I didn't know that was a thing. And I, if you watched episode four, it makes that very clear right off the bat. Like right. in the yeah. in that scroll thing, it's like the Death Star blows up planets. I was like, oh, well, that would have been useful to know. Because the first thing I saw was like, I thought it just imploded them or created like a, a tidal wave and like the tidal wave like hurt people. I didn't know what that was going on. But once I figured out that, it was good. But I thought episode four, and what's cool is Disney Plus has the, all those old movies up in 4K, Ultra HD 4K. So watching it with that in HDR and all that stuff, I thought that that was, that helped me like, keep locked in because you know like you still see like the silly when they're shooting each other with these laser beams or whatever and they like jump back and like all that stuff like that's kind of fake but the fight scenes i thought were good the flights weren't like so bad like the space stuff wasn't so bad that i was like oh my god this movie was made in the 20s i can't handle this like it was good and then there's like little things like i like it's crazy how young luke looks like that's the wild i didn't know luke was gonna look that young that's pretty crazy um i was a little uh, no, i was a little worried at how like he just brushed off his entire village getting scorched like those those the <laughs> the white soldiers like the people in all the white uniforms stormtroopers yeah them i guess yeah they they scorched his entire village they killed them all they killed all, and they like his his like adopted dad and mom are sitting there as a pile of bones and ash and he like went back to obi-wan like basically he went for a sandwich and they were out of cheese and he's like oh yeah they killed my whole family and it was just totally on and he was like okay i'm good now I'll go with you to wherever they were going. I thought that was like, I thought he would have had a little bit more of an uh, aggressive reaction to that one. But uh, honestly, so far so good. I'm I'm locked in. We're gonna I'm gonna play some video games tonight. I can breeze making a lasagna, which I'm really excited for. Oh, so I have lasagna tonight too. Yeah, I'm really gluten, pumped for gluten that. Gluten free lasagna, but it was amazing. I mean, you can't go wrong with like cheese and you know sauce. Unless you don't even know it's gluten free. Right? Yeah, but you don't even I know you when you cheese. have when you no. Gluten, gluten is wheat. It's the noodles. So I have to have oh, specific geez. noodles. No. Are you kidding? What year? It's 2020 and you don't know what gluten is? Go with no, the program. We're, we're normal. Come on. Okay. Uh, no, but I thought it was good. So we're going we're gonna to play some vids tonight and then I'm going to start uh, episode five, which I'm excited about. So, so I am, I'm, I'm making it through. Four, I thought Rogue was excellent. I, I, I originally gave it a seven or eight out of 10. Sleeping on it and waking up, I actually would upgrade it. I would give that like an eight or a nine out of 10. I thought that was really good. New Hope, I'd probably give it like a six or a seven. I thought it was entertaining. It was good. I didn't think it was like, oh my God, blow my socks off. But I, I enjoyed watching that movie. I didn't like find myself picking up my phone to kill time. Like, oh my God, how long is this going to take? I thought that was good. Acting was good. 
Uh, just a little upset that Luke was so heartless for his adopted family. But the rest, I'm, I'm happy with. I enjoyed it. I very he much He knew he had it. bigger things in life. Uh, the, well, the consensus among, I think, the majority of, Red, of uh, Star Wars fans is that Empire Strikes Back is the best movie. So that's up next for you. So hopefully you enjoy that. The, the one thing I'll say about your entire critique really? there. Five's the best? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I think most people will say that. Um, that Natalie Portman will now forever be known as just Thor's girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Natalie Portman. <laughs> I'm really bad with actors and actresses. Yeah. Uh, cool. I, I think that's a fair review. Uh, let us know what yeah. you think, you know, in the chat or, or on Twitter or whatever. Connor's uh, reviews. We got a long way to go. If you had started this, you know, a few a little while back, there'd be less of these to get through. But they keep piling them on now that Disney owns them. So they're just yeah, gonna I was, keep going. I was writing too many Trevor Lawrence stories that are now in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. Well, we're moving know. on from Trevor. We're keeping yeah, half full, right? We're we're probably also moving on from the head coach of the New York Jets. That's Adam Gase. Uh, we count down to to the end. Of course, Monday is known across the NFL after Week 17 as Black Monday. Maybe that's the day we find out about Gase. Maybe it's on Sunday night after the game that the official announcement comes. We've talked about that, Connor, about the fact that you know the timing is really the only mystery at this point. We'll be back on the podcast to talk about it. But it is a weird place to be in with one game to play against a team that's supposed to be a rival in a lost season when you know the coach is going to be fired. And it's, it's literally just a countdown this week. Yeah, and but I will say this. like This is – it is a weird situation. It's, it's a situation that a lot of coaches do sometimes find themselves in. Like I don't think there are that many coaches that can go into Week 17 and – be like, I'm fighting for my job. You know what I mean? Like, I can, if I win week 17, I'm coming back. Like, maybe if they're on the playoff, like, if they get them to the playoffs. But even then, like, I guess you could compare it to the Giants and Dave Gettleman, right? Like, if that team makes the playoffs at 6-10, and 10, should Dave Gettleman keep his job as that team's general manager? No, he stinks. The team won six games. Like, you got to fire him. So, I think that with the exception of maybe one or two of those situations that were out there, um, it's odd. But what I will say is that... Um, what I will say is that I am interested to watch how the Jets play this one, and I'm interested to watch how fans watch this game because it's the first game in a while that you can actually say, without the future in mind, I want the Jets to win a game. Yeah. You know, because like when they played the Rams, and really ever since I think that loss to the Broncos, when they lost to the Broncos and Brett Ripon, I think ever since then, you've had to say every time you speak, I don't really want the Jets to win. You know what I mean? Like, I, cause you want them to lose. Cause losing means Trevor Lawrence. Like you want them to lose, lose Trevor Lawrence. You want them to lose, lose Trevor Lawrence. Like that's what you want. And I think for him, like now, because you know, you're locked into the number two pick. You can go into this one and say, I actually want to see the Jets win. You know, I want to see Denzel Mims go out there and catch his first NFL touchdown. I want to see Chris Herndon catch five balls for 60 yards and a score himself. Maybe I want to see Sam Darnold, you know, light it up and, and tear apart the Patriots. And why not beat the Patriots finally? I know they're they're down and out. Their whole offensive line's banged up. They're going to be starting basically their entire second string linebacking core because they're all hurt. And and Cam Newton obviously is is not the player that, that so many people kind of thought he was or was going to be rejuvenated with early in the year. But, I mean, they're still the Patriots. They're still the team that has owned this division the last 20 years. They're still the evil empire. It's still Star Wars reference. Yeah, yeah. nicely done. Uh, <laughs> they're still like, they're still the Patriots. So, I mean, you, you want to beat them. So, like, go into this one and, and, and have a relaxing Sunday. You know, go out there, 
you're probably going to be a little hungover from New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, whatever. Still, if you're, you're my age now and these things last more than one day suddenly. But you can like watch, like like get the wings and get the pizza and, and get a 30 and, and invite your friends over and watch the Jets and enjoy rooting for a game that they have a chance to win that you want them to win. And and yeah, maybe, I, I don't know. I, I would enjoy that. I, if I like, I'm going to cover this game and finally have a chance of like, oh, you're not. I'm not pre-writing a story about how the Jets have ruined their chances at Lawrence, or I'm not going into this one with my editor saying, all right, well, if they win and the Jaguars win, I'll write this column. When if they do this, now I'm going to write this column. You can actually just cover a game. Like, cover a game for, honestly, the first time since, since seriously, after they lost to the Broncos. Because once they lost to the Broncos was when it was like, oh, my God, they might actually go in 16. Trevor Lawrence is a, is a realistic possibility. So, yeah, why not? Yeah, let's go for it, and uh, and we'll see how that goes. And and I mentioned it. One more thing I did want to mention on Gase. Sorry, I lost track there. Um, was the, the uh, you mentioned the evil empire, uh, and the little shot that that Bill Belichick, who I guess we could either call the emperor or uh, or Darth Vader, whichever ever direction you want to go with that. Yeah. Uh, he got in there this week when he was asked about about Darnold and and the Jets, and he said. I don't think you could have anyone better coaching him than where he's at right now. Just like a little twist of the knife by Bill Belichick this week because he yeah. can't resist when he's taking on the Jets. Yeah, I'll be honestly, I'll be honest though. I mean, he, he, yeah, yeah, like yes, that was probably a little bit of a shot, and and I know Jet fans are gonna be like, oh my, it was God, calculated. How, Let's be it honest. was a that compliment was of Adam Gase. How can yeah. anyone say anything positive about Adam Gase? No, he's the Antichrist. Like, how dare anyone compliment this guy? Yada yada yada. But. There is a, a legitimate relationship between Adam Gase and Bill Belichick dating back years and years and years. Like yeah. before Gase actually took a job, I think it was the job with the Broncos. The Patriots wanted him on their staff, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was the I think that was the the job that like Bill had called him and like offered him, and instead he went to the Broncos. And I remember like Gase had made a comment like, "Man, like I'd have like three Super Bowl rings already if I'd taken that job." Like it was like one of those things, but. There has been a, for what, I mean, you can say like how they're different people. They're different. There hasn't obviously he, like Gase hasn't had the success, yada, yada. But there has been like a, a, a legitimate respect between Adam Gase and Bill Belichick. Like obviously from the Adam Gase standpoint, he's Bill Belichick's the best coach to ever live. You're obviously going to respect him. But even from the Bill Belichick's, like there is like, there is some admiration and some respect. I don't really always know why, but, but for Bill Belichick, towards Adam Gase and and maybe it's because of the connection back to Nick Saban maybe it's because of the relationship that Adam has with Josh McDaniels but but I mean there really is one there it's it's why you know when the Jets claimed Braxton Berrios off the the Jets or off the Patriots practice squad a couple years ago Bill Belichick called Adam Gase and let him know like you got a good one we couldn't keep him because we need a play we need our fourth wide receiver to be able to do everything He's got a hamstring issue. We can't put him on IR, so he's got like we, we couldn't keep him. But he called him and said, "Adam, you got a good one here." Like you know, Bill Belichick's not calling, you know, uh, 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 random coaches. He's not calling Pete Carroll to say you got a good one off our. Pro-. Like he's calling Adam Gase though, and and that's why you start seeing these reports and these rumors and things circulate about would Adam Gase take the quarterbacks coach job for the New England Patriots? And and honestly, if he doesn't step aside and he doesn't like take a step back and say, I want no this. I want none of that. I want just to kind of just, I want to take two years off or a year off and, and visit training camps and learn more and take this and do that and do this and do that. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. 
If he doesn't do that and instead he goes like, no, I want to go right back into this. I want to immediately start coaching and I want I want to do this. I think the Patriots make a lot of sense for him to go there. And that quarterback's coach job would be a good one because he's not going to get an offensive coordinator job after this. Like that's not happening. Like he's not getting an offensive coordinator job. He's obviously not going to get a head coaching job. So the next would be a positional coach would be a quarterback coach. And he has a really good relationship with Josh McDaniels. They've worked together before. He has a relationship with Bill Belichick, even though they haven't worked together before. And and for Adam maybe to get his foot back into that door, I think it might give him a chance to to reinvent himself and do some more things and try to get an opportunity maybe to then be an offensive coordinator again. But I think that's the best opportunity for him if he wants to be a head coach again. Or not, not head coach again, I'm sorry. If he wants to go right back into coaching again, I think that's the best option for him. What I think the overall best option for him would be, though, would step back. Would be take a step back. Don't don't worry about the coaching. Like enjoy being with your family, enjoying with your kids, kind of travel a little bit. Like just t- get away from football, reassess yourself, reassess the way you do things, and then try to get back going again. You know, kind of similar to what Tom Coughlin did way back when. Even Ben McAdoo did it recently. Like guys that take a couple, a year or two off, and then go right back. Mike McCarthy, like do do something along those lines because. What he thought would work and the system he thought was was uh, impenetrable clearly is broken and it needs to be fixed. And sometimes it takes you stepping away to be able to reassess yourself, reevaluate yourself, do some different things and get going again. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we're going to move on to the Sugar Bowl here. First, though, shout out to uh, Wes Masterson, who's always in the, the chat, but a good one. This may not make sense to you yet, Connor, but he says, Adam Gase is Jar Jar Binks. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't I the name sounds funny. So I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, By the way, I am scro- I am scrolling through the chat as we speak, and I see that around seven, about six fifty eight to seven o'clock, there was a uh, betting going on in the chat about when we were going to start. And I think somebody won like a couple hundred bucks. And they're gonna drop Venmo or something. Like they were like their over under, I think, was set at seven oh eight, and we got the under because we started at seven oh four. As long so as that we, person yeah, lives. I were on at six fifty, just so yeah. the chat. Yeah, well, I had this rant. Like the, rolls in one of these weeks, we're gonna just start. For the record, I was trying to get ready, and I, uh-huh. I had a rant, like I forgot I agreed to do that thing with. How am I supposed to say it? You guys Nessin. said I'm sc- Nessin. Nessin. I had to do a thing with Nessin that flex. I forgot I agreed. Yeah, I kind of for- no, sorry. I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot I had to do it. And uh, I literally had sat down because the PlayStation's here. I haven't really had a chance to play it today. So I was like, wanted to sit down and start NBA and start my guy to make Connor Hughes the two guard who can jump even though I can't jump and shoot threes, even though I can't shoot threes and dunk, even though I can't even touch the rim. Oh, I can't touch the rim. But I can't dunk. Like, I, like all these things, like make that Connor Hughes. And uh, I was about to sit down and start doing it. And then I got the text of, hey, we're going to be calling you in five minutes. I was like, oh, shit, I haven't even showered. So I had to take like the 
the uh, sink shower and fix the hair up and and i gave a comment like Mercy and tim said the hair is looking good so i'm i'm happy i was able to i was able to piece it together uh behind the scenes all right let's get on to uh justin fields and i guess the question here is because we've talked so much about zach wilson lately and how he's kind of jumped up draft boards including dane brugler who, who really likes him and and he is clearly at this point in the game now there's still a lot lot to be said between now and the draft. Um, Zach Wilson will be in the senior bowl, I think. And then there's there's the combine. There's all sorts of stuff that the jockeying can happen. But as far as in-game action, Friday night is the last chance to see Justin Fields and for him to, to impress NFL teams, to impress scouts, to impress front offices. And he's doing it against the team that ended his season a year ago in the same spot. It's a rematch of the semifinal from last season, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. These guys have been competitors really since high school not on the field in high school but as far as who is rated as the best quarterback in the country and now at the end of their college careers uh, they go head to head one more time Um, the doubts for fields we've gone over a lot it's basically decision making Connor this is going to be a pretty good defense more importantly though that I think for the defensive talent of Clemson it's the schemes um, because Venable for Clemson just brings so much scheme at you as a defensive coach. This is why he's the highest paid defensive coordinator in the college game. And I think that'll be fun to see how Fields handles that. A year ago, he actually did pretty well against Clemson. We'll see if his kind of regressions this year with decision making can can change. Yeah, it's it's I think what makes because we, we'll go back and forth pretty much over every single podcast for the next four months on this, but you know, you can say like, oh, um, you can say uh, Wilson doesn't play anyone at BYU. And it, and it's a very factual statement. He doesn't play anyone. He played two ranked teams and they were both ranked, I think, under 18. Like they were not yeah, the not teams power that, five teams. yeah, but again, he can only play who he plays. So his performance against the bad teams is, is noteworthingly good. I mean, the throws he makes are holy cow throws where those would be impressive throws against Alabama the same as they were impressive throws against UCF the same as they will be impressive throws in the NFL for whichever team drafts him in the top five top 10 whenever wherever he ends up going but while BYU isn't playing anyone they're also in Wilson's terms he's not playing with anyone like he's not playing with first round pick wide receivers or first round pick tight ends or top 10 offensive linemen he doesn't have a loaded defense that he knows it doesn't really matter what he does on offense because the defense is only letting up like 10 points today. So he's not permitted that as well at BYU like Fields is at Ohio State. That team is stacked. That team is loaded. So when you see him start to struggle and struggle the way that he did against Northwestern and against Indiana, it's extra alarming because it's almost like the variables we talk about with Sam Darnold where like, oh, he doesn't have receivers. He doesn't have offensive line. He doesn't have coaching. Well, there are none of those variables with with just with uh, Fields at Ohio State. He's got everything working for him. So when he struggles, it's like, why did he make that decision? Why did he do this? Why did he do that? Northwestern, Northwestern and Indiana cannot hold a candle to Clemson. So there are going to be, or there is going to be jockeying. There is going to be changing. I remember back when Deshaun Watson was about to enter the NFL draft, his final season at Clemson had him go from undeniable first round pick to, I remember reading stories about Watson, like falling to the late portions of the first round. I watched him in the national championship and was basically like draft that dude, (laughs) draft him. Like I I was like, I, again, 
not a scout, not breaking the film down, not crunching his footwork. I saw that dude in the national championship game and was like, that dude can play. Get get that guy. Get, like, go get him. Draft him. He can freaking play. Make him your quarterback. So, obviously, he still ended up going, I think, middle of the first round, right? Or, like, not, not middle. Like, 10s, 15s, I think, was when the area where Deshaun Watson was picked. I can't remember the exact selection that he was with the Texans, but he ended 12th. up... Oh, yeah, he 12th. went 12th. Yeah, so, like, his stock ended up like going back to kind of a little bit not one two but still like right in that for like top 12 top 12 pick is good so he was there and i think the national championship played a big role in that and i think that the the off season with the his pro day and and the combine and all that helped him as well so obviously we're going to have a lot of stuff to break down with fields but like you said tim like this is one of maybe two final chances for this guy on a national stage with the world watching to make a statement that forget number two, make a statement. You're the best quarterback in this draft. Everyone's talking about Trevor Lawrence. Everyone's going to tune into that game. Knowing Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick for the Jaguars. going to be knowing this guy's the generational dude, the killer arm, the, this, the, that yada, yada. This is an opportunity for fields to go out there, put Northwestern in the back of everyone's mind. Like, like throw it away. Like just erase it from everyone's minds. Erase Indiana from everyone's minds. Because if he can go toe-to-toe, throw-for-throw, not only with Trevor Lawrence on the other sideline, but against that Clemson defense, a good not a great elite-level Clemson defense, but a very good Clemson defense, that's a big statement. That's a big statement. And it can show that, you know what, maybe... See, this is a problem when, when you play on a team like, like Fields does, is that Fields plays on a team that's loaded. So you know you can get away with things. You know that you can swing around be going down to throw a ball up because your otherworldly wide receiver, there's a chance he's just going to make a play because he's more athletic than the guy he's going against. There's a chance you can just hold onto the ball forever because maybe you don't think you're holding onto the ball forever. You just assume your offensive line is going to give you eight seconds to throw because your offensive line has three first round picks on it. You know? So there are things you can get away with sometimes when you know you're good and when you know the guys around you are good that when you're playing on a team that is not good, you realize you can't get away with those things. So this is an opportunity against Clemson. Like, I, I don't I don't know if Fields, like if he throws for 404 touchdowns against Clemson, if suddenly it's like, this guy's the number two pick in the draft, done. Like, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But this is a major opportunity, I think, for Fields to have everyone talking about this game and no longer but Northwestern, but Indiana. Because if he comes out against Clemson and he throws 350, four touchdowns, makes throws and reads to guys that are covered. Because that's the other key thing. I don't want to see him throw four touchdowns when there is no defender within four yards of the of the receiver. Like, that's not, that's not, you don't gain anything from that. Like, that, it's a wide open guy. He's throwing to a wide open guy. But make the throws or some of the throws like we saw from Zach Wilson against UCF. Like, let's see those throws. If he can do that against Clemson and maybe Ohio State's upsets him or at least they take it down to the wire, I think that will really propel him into suddenly now yes he's back in the discussion for number two because I don't when I think about the Jets drafting a quarterback at number two right now I think about Zach Wilson I think Zach Wilson is the guy the Jets might draft at number two I don't I don't think Fields after what I saw from Northwestern once that's what I saw from Indiana I don't even consider him the number two pick right now with a big game against Clemson he will absolutely be back in that discussion he will absolutely put himself right back into those talks about this guy could be number two however the flip side of that coin, if he throws for 210, two picks, 
Maybe he gets away with a couple where the defender drops balls, but he's still throwing those horrible decisions that he was in Northwestern. Fields in this game against Clemson can also make it so that, no, there's no chance in hell I'm picking him number two. Like, if he plays poorly against Clemson and he does not have a good game against Clemson and that decision-making's back and that poor pocket presence is back and he's again forcing balls and he's again making bad decisions and he's again turning the ball over and, and he looks rattled and frazzled, then I will be fully comfortable saying no. Like, not pay, nope, I'm good, I'm done. Like, I should, he's just not the quarterback for me. So it's a big one. It's a yep. big game, and everyone should be – any Jet fan should be watching this one. Yeah, it's a big game Friday night, and then a less big game on Sunday against the Patriots. All right, let's get into the mailbag. Uh, lots of good questions on Twitter and some in the chat as well. Um, we're going to give credit to Evan Starr for this first one, but this was a popular question everywhere. Um, will the Jets' ownership stick with the current hierarchy, or are they going to actually let Joe Douglas hire the next head coach? Uh, oh, that hierarchy. Okay, yeah. No, Joe Douglas is picking the next head coach. Joe, du- I, I've, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'll, I'll scream it from the rooftops, and, and I don't know what you guys want me to do. Like, slap hands and be like that monkey in the tambourine, like just saying it over like and over and that. over again. <laughs> would, I'm sure you would. I'm sure, I'm sure you would. Again, I would be screenshotted and posted everywhere for you. Uh, no, the, the way that the hiring process is going to work is this. Christopher Johnson will be involved. He'll be in the meetings. You'll be in the discussions. Joe Douglas is going to fill him in. He's going to know everyone that's going in the building, everyone, if they're allowed in the building, everyone is going out of the building, everyone the Jets might want, everyone the Jets don't want. Their top order, their pecking order. They want this guy first, this guy second. They might want this guy if he says that. Christopher Johnson's going to be involved in all of those discussions. But it is Joe Douglas running point. Joe Douglas is the run directing the offense. Joe Douglas is the one picking who comes in here. Joe Douglas is the one who's going to be commanding the interviews. He's going to be the one who's organizing the interviews. He's going to be the one that is structuring everything in terms of like, this is what I want in a head coach. This is what I want to see. These are the qualities. These are the traits. I want him to have this experience. I want him to build a staff with this. It is going to be Joe Douglas's show. This is Joe Douglas's team. Joe Douglas is going to run the draft. Joe Douglas is going to run free agency. Joe Douglas has a blank check for whatever he wants to spend on any player in free agency. He has the opportunity. This is going to be like Washington where Snyder stepped in and said draft Dwayne Haskins or Dwayne Haskins. And he, and even when the coaching staff didn't want him, this is not that situation. So they're not going to like, that's it's not that it's not that it is going to be Joe Douglas doing whatever he wants. Christopher Johnson is going to be privy to everything that's going on. He's going to be involved in everything that's going on, but it is Joe Douglas's show. Joe Douglas is running point. Now, as far as the, when they said hierarchy, and it's because I, I was actually just talking to a, a good friend of mine, Joe Lacalandra, um, who's a big, big Jet fan. Um, I was just talking to him about it. We went to college together and, and we were saying about the the hierarchy of, and this is what every Jet fan is so obsessed with, of there's the coach and there's the, the GM and both the coach and the GM report to the owner. I, I don't, I haven't checked in yet. It's, it's on my to-do list to start doing my homework on that and checking into it and calling some people that I know to see if there's the chance of that switching. I think there is, because of how much Christopher Johnson trusts Joe Douglas, for better or for worse, I think that there is a chance of that higher. I can't say it's going to change. I can't say it's definitely going to change. I haven't I haven't talked to anyone to be able to say like this. I think that maybe it could, but I'll be totally honest with, and I've said this, I don't think that's a big deal. I, I, I think people get so obsessed with the coach not being the GM's boss or the GM not being the coach's boss. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Like if, if 
Joe Douglas was Adam Gase's boss right now, Joe Douglas still could not fire Adam Gase without getting approval from ownership. And if Joe Douglas wants to fire the coach, like it's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like it's, there are other teams, like it's a bunch of other teams that are structured this way where it's coach, GM, both report to owner. Like it doesn't, doesn't matter. There's, if the coach and the owner see eye to eye, there's no issues ever. There's no, there's no problems. There's no, there's no anything. It's who cares? Like, I, I don't know why people get so angry that the Jets have this organizational structure. I don't, because I don't think it makes that big of a difference. Is there a chance it changes? This is probably the first year where I do believe there is a chance that it does because of how much Christopher Johnson trusts and and believes in Joe Douglas. But if it doesn't change, I don't think it's a big deal. I really don't. Like it's it's if if the coach is reporting to the GM, literally nothing's going to change in drafting, free agency, play is the GM going to step like you really think Joe Douglas is going to step on somebody's toes and say you have to play this person? No, he's going to say, look, I hired you to be my head coach. You're going to coach the team. Do what you want. This is your team. He's not going to meddle. He's not going to step on his thing. He's going to acquire the players. Coach is going to run. So who cares if they both report to the owner? They're both going to report to the owner anyway. It's just that you're creating a middleman. You're creating a manager, basically, when still there's the boss. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 no big deal. Like, if if we, if we we're in, like, this this same hierarchy, right, and say Marissa's the owner and Tim's the coach and I'm the GM, right? Like, I like that you I don't think the it, owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right, and we all be fired. I, I, I wouldn't even have yeah. Marissa, I'd be the first one axed. But You're like, never on Tom Coughlin time. That's right. yeah, yeah, track. Yeah, I'd be totally gone. But like, if Tim's like Tim's coach, I'm GM, right? And Tim now reports to me. Like, if I want to fire Tim, I still have to go to Marissa. If Marissa wants mm-hmm. to fire Tim, it's still her call. Like, like who? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Like, if, if I really, I truly believe that it's it's. It's much ado about nothing, and and you can you can complain and bitch about a lot of stuff with this Jets team, and there are a lot of mistakes you can get angry about. I don't think that structure is one of them. I really don't think it's that big of a deal. All right, well, we got a lot more questions to get to. So this one is from Tuna Tucker One on Twitter. Is there any chance the Jets use their draft capital and cap space to pry a quarterback away from a team in cap hell or with limited amount of picks? Thinking specifically about Deshaun or Dak. Oh, Deshaun, no shot in hell either. Those guys are leaving. Deshaun Johnson, Deshaun Jackson is, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson is not leaving Houston. And Deshaun Jackson, probably available. Yeah, he, he probably, I don't know if he wants to play quarterback though. Uh, no, they're not leaving. I would, I would think like if you were going to do that, the guys that would immediately come to my mind would be Carson Wentz and Matt Stafford with the Lions. Those would be the two. If you're like a, a contending team, that thinks you're like a quarterback away Colts, for example, they would be a team where I could see them like going after Stafford. The jets aren't there. The jets are looking for the guy that's going to be on their sideline for the next 10 to 12 years. And people this off season will probably draw some, I know my boy, Elliot, Elliot Shore parks, who covers the Eagles. We used to work together at the ledger. He already connected like, Oh, you know, Joe Douglas knows the Eagles. Maybe he'll go mm-hmm. and he'll make a trade for Carson Wentz. No, like, like the, what the jets are going to do this year is one of two things. Joe Douglas is going to evaluate these quarterbacks and he is going to determine what he thinks of each quarterback, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. If he believes one of those guys is a bona fide, no doubt franchise quarterback, he's going to draft him at two and he's going to trade Sam Darnold to the highest bidder. If he evaluates those guys and does not believe they are a franchise quarterback or has more concerns than certainties that one of these guys is or is not like more concerned, they're not a franchise quarterback than certainty that they are a quarterback, then he's going to either trade back and recruit more picks and run it back with Sam Darnold and, and try to build this and add more talent and add more playmakers and all this stuff and then run it back with Sam Darnold. 
or anything like that. So I, no, I don't, I don't think that trading draft capital for a quarterback is something that they're considering right now. And I, I don't think it's something that they should. All right. Up next, uh, this one is from Southern Jet NC. Uh, he says, "Convince me, Brian Dable isn't perfect. Isn't the perfect choice now that Lawrence isn't a top tier coaching lure. He's a Jersey guy with family still here. May actually want the job. Proven creative big boy NFL play caller, quarterback mentor. Kills two birds with one stone as it hurts the Bills as well. And I'll throw this in as well, Connor. If they did hire him, I mean Joe Douglas." And Brian Dabble, they're like separated at birth twins. It would be an amazing situation if those two guys were running the Jets together. Yeah, I can't, I can't convince you that that he's the wrong guy um, to be this team's head coach because I think that he should. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I can't say like, oh, this is why he shouldn't be. I can't say this is why you should have concerns. I can't say this is why there are problems with him or he has this or he didn't do that. Because I think if I was making a list of the players or the coaches that should be on the top of the Jets list and the top of the guys that the Jets should consider, I think he's the guy. I, I think that he is the guy more than Campbell, more than Bienemy, more than Harbaugh, more than Doug Peterson. He's the guy that to me should be the team's head coach. I think he has the right personality. I think that I, I love the fact that he's paid his dues, that he's not this like young gun offensive coordinator that had one or two good years and suddenly everyone wants him because they think he's the next Sean McVay. You know, he's, he's well-traveled. I mean, he's literally coached at every single AFC East team. So he's got, he's gotten a chance to learn under two incredibly successful coaches right now in Sean McDermott, the last several years in Buffalo Bill Belichick, obviously one of the best. Bill Belichick, obviously a disciple of Bill Parcells. I mean, there's so much to like about him. And then you can put the the cherry on top of it all, which is Josh Allen. So forget, I mean, look at how how uh, exciting the Bills offenses are, right? I mean, the, 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 the touchdown they scored in the playoffs last year where they're running the, the passes to Josh Allen, which they've done a couple times this year, the unique runs, the way that Everyone seems to be having success there and guys are getting better. You know, Stefan Diggs in Buffalo looks better than Stefan Diggs in Minnesota. And in Minnesota, he was a great player. Cole Beasley was in Dallas. He gets to Buffalo and looks like a better player. John Brown was in Arizona, I believe, gets to Buffalo, looks like a better player. Josh Allen is obviously, like I said, the cherry on top of this where he shows up in Buffalo as this no mechanics, no technique, just a cannon for an arm, an infectious personality, and a big bulldozer athlete. And this guy's turned him into a legitimate MVP candidate. Like, I mean, and I, I, I'll i be honest. Like, when you think about most valuable player, I think it's him. Like, if you take him off of Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo's probably a three-win team. Like, he's that good. I mean, he can throw the ball. He's everything. And, and I, I honestly believe he should be MVP or at least receive several MVP votes. And that's the ultimate... Builder upper that that's the fixer upper project. I mean, he went full Chip and Joanne on his ass and, and really turned him into an MVP guy. Like seriously, I like that. Like Connor. he did. Yeah, you like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, Bree has me watching a lot of that stuff. Um, but no, like seriously, like I, I think that he is the best coaching possibility for the Jets. And and like I said, to me, I, I see a lot of Bruce Arians in him, where he's a guy that's been the longtime coordinator, really pay to dues finally gets his opportunity like Arians did in Arizona. You're like, oh, well, technically in Indianapolis. But you can finally see like, wow, that guy's got a chance to be a head coach. I think he would be the really perfect one because there's no nonsense. It's not like he's like the 
the sexy hire where he's, oh, he's the, the Sean McVay or, oh, he's the Rex Ryan. You know, it's nothing like that. He's just a, a good football coach who has paid his dues, knows what he's doing. Like, give him an opportunity. He would be the guy that, that I, he would be my choice. He would absolutely be my choice. And, and what he's done in Buffalo and also the culture that he's been experienced in in Buffalo, I think just helps him so much. All right. This question is from New York sports fan on Twitter. What should Jets fans be excited for this off season? And what is a realistic turnaround for this team based upon record? And then use Jar Jar Binks GIF for bonus points. He, that, his It was tweet included in the Jar Jar Binks, yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know um, who that Jar Jar Binks is, but Tim helped uh, me out with right. that one. <laughs> uh, uh, realistic expectations. I, 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 I've said this before. I think the Jets are closer to the playoffs than several seven-win teams, than several six-win teams. I think they're closer to perennial contention than several nine-win teams. I think they're closer to a potential Super Bowl than some teams that are making the playoffs this year. And that's not just with the NFC East in the picture. The Jets have a lot going for them. I, I, I personally I believe in Joe Douglas. I, I think they have the draft capital to really turn this around. They have the financial resources to really turn this around. I think their draft class this year has the chance to be pretty good um, or looks like it has the chance to be really, really good. Um, I like a lot of what the Jets have going for them. And it was bad this year. At one point, it looked like 0-16. At one point, it looked like 1-15. At one point, it looked like the number one pick. Now they might be 2-14, 3-13, whatever. They have the resources, though, to turn this around and turn it around quick. Next year, I think they could win seven or eight games. I got. I mean, I got to see the team. I got to see... What Joe Douglas does in the draft, I got to see what Joe Douglas does in free agency. I got to see what Joe Douglas does here, there. Like I got to see what they actually do. I got to see him in training camp, see him practice. Like before, say, oh, this is an eight-win team. But there's no reason to sell yourself this belief that this team is going to go two and fourteen, three and thirteen, four and twelve, five and eleven. Another just slow rebuild. I mean, they have the resources to turn this around quick. And if they hit on their draft picks and they make sign some impact players and make some real, real difference and real change. There's no reason why this team can't win seven or eight games next year, maybe even nine. Like, you've seen it happen before. You, you've seen teams go from worst to first. You've seen teams go from awful to, wow, they get on a run. I mean, look at the Bills. Like, who, so who thought the Bills were going to do what they Look at the Dolphins. Like, the Dolphins. They were just That's even tanking. Yeah. 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 The, exactly. They were literally t- they were tanking for Tua. Like, right. that's literally what they were doing last year. And now that team's in, the, or on, in contention for the playoffs. And, and you hire the right guy. In terms of coach, you get the right guy under center. You get the right guy calling the shots as a general manager, the one who's acquiring the talent. And there's no reason you can't turn it around quick. So I'm not saying the Jets are going to be a playoff. I don't know what they're going to do in free agency, the draft and all that stuff. But I would not in the slightest bit say we need, you know, the the this team, this is going to be a three or four years. I don't think so. I think they can absolutely put position themselves where they are competing for the playoffs next year if they do the right things this offseason. Like, hey, we've talked about it too. You say, say I mean, we'll, we'll use Zach Wilson as an example. So they draft Zach Wilson, right? He's the quarterback. There's a lot of X factors there, but is he pro ready? Is he going to be ready? So we'll say he's not Justin Herbert. Say he's 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 competent, right? Like he he he's a rookie that can contribute, and he's not going to hurt you his first season. He's not going to be Josh Allen year three, but maybe he's Josh Allen year two. You suddenly can then sign Allen Robinson in free agency. His receiving core is Allen Robinson, Denzel Mims, James Crowder. Pretty good, right? 
Chris Herndon can be the team's tight end still. Say he takes another step forward, like he gets out of his mental funk, whatever he's been in. You got a competent player there at tight end. They maybe they sign Janu Smith or something like that at tight end. You suddenly have a good group of receivers. They sign Marlon Mack as a free agent. He's not going to cost that much money. He's coming off an Achilles tear. You pair him with Ty Johnson and Lamichael P. Ryan. You sign Brian Dabble. You got you got you get the right head coach. You add jo- Joe Tooney in free agency. You then draft another guard, and suddenly you're like you got left tackle Makai Becton. Right tackle, uh, George Fant coming back for another year. Joe Tooney, the guy you drafted, Connor McGovern. That's a pretty good offense. That's an offense that's going to be scoring 20 points a game. That's an offense that's going to get into 30 sometime. That's an offense that when Zach Wilson's rolling, maybe they get to 40. I know that's an alien concept. Defensively, going to take a little more work there, but you see what the Giants did. How horrible was the Giants' defense last year? Look at the Giants' defense this year. They got in James Bradbury. Yeah, they signed that kid from, from Green Bay, the middle linebacker, but still... Graham has done a, a phenomenal job with that defense. You can make things turn around. You can make the pieces and make the signings and make it happen. And, and I don't think the Jets are helpless by any stretch for next year. I'm not saying they're going to the playoffs. I have no idea what this team's going to look like. There's going to be a ridiculous turnaround, but they still have a chance to be pretty good. All right, we got to wrap things up with our picks because it's coming down to the wire. Marissa and I tied after an abysmal 0-3 week by me in week 16. Talk about choking down the stretch. Uh, Marissa went 2-1, and one, I think, to yeah. catch me. So it's tied. Connor has been mathematically eliminated, but we'll let How him play great. along anyway. The best thing yeah. in 2020. <laughs> I won it last year. I won yeah. it last, last year. Last year's last year. We got to get a championship belt or something. Yeah. We were looking at that for my fantasy football league. They have, like, for 50 bucks, mm-hmm. you can get, like, a big tower. We should get that and put like the champions picks on there. We should say, or we get championship rings, yeah. pick rings, something. something like that. That'd be fun. <laughs> for next year, we'll have it ready, and then we'll we'll back order for the uh, last two years. All right, so we'll zip through these because we're running out of time. Uh, we'll go Cardinals minus two and a half. They're taking on the Rams minus Goff, so I think they will do that minus on the Goff road. And though. Cooper Cup. Yeah. So I'll take the Cardinals. I'm not sure why that spread is what it is. Uh, The Washington football team has something to play for. That game flexed to Sunday night against Philly. I'll take Washington. Minus one and a half at Philly. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. So they're the the NFC's champs. Taylor Heineke. They're going with Taylor Heineke. And then finally, I I had to do this one. Jets plus three at New England. I'll I'll go with the Jets to uh, to at least keep that one tight. Marissa, go ahead. Okay, so to make this fun and exciting, I decided to make none of the same picks as you. So we couldn't tie or do anything. Well, we could, I guess, still tie. We do could, we pick into the yeah, playoffs? Yeah. Do we do playoff picks? I can't remember what. Oh. Do we do we do this podcast during the playoffs? Don't we? Yeah. Uh, we just go to once no. a week. We. I don't think we've discussed that yet. Yeah. Vote online <laughs> now. I can't remember. I can't remember. What Depending if, on the Jets' weird. coaching search and everything, we'll. Yeah, we may be. We'll be yeah, figuring that out. I can't remember. Um, but I couldn't remember. I, I, I totally blank on this. Did we do a podcast off season last year? Yes. I know when we do news. Yes, ones. off season we do it when when stuff week. happens. Yeah. Which yeah, we've been getting some pretty good views, which means I think that's probably going to be put on all of our plates. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that. Well, I'm taking two weeks vacation in February. This is like so. after my vacation. Yeah. After my vacation. Be, yeah, you're gonna leave us just the show to Tim and I. It's gonna go right to shit. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Like they're gonna look at these views and be like, uh, no, two, three times a week in the off season. <laughs> All We're right. gonna be doing full Star Wars breakdowns. We're gonna be Star Wars reenactments. <laughs> <laughs> I want no part of that. Okay, my picks. Um, so. This game matters until the Washington Football Eagles game at night. So the Cowboys Giants game, if the winner, if Washington Football team does not win, the winner of the Cowboys Giants game wins the division. And I gotta think the Cowboys are gonna pull that one out minus two and a half. So I'm going Cowboys. 
Saints minus six and a half versus the Panthers and Seahawks minus four and a half versus the 49ers. All right, Connor, I, you have 30 seconds. Yep. I'm in the loser's bracket. I'm going to go with, <laughs> uh, I like the Eagles plus one and a half at home over Washington. I don't trust that quarterback as far as I can throw him. And I also believe in Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts, at least at this point, has the ability to play guys that aren't that good. So give me the Eagles plus one and a half. I will take the Cowboys. I think they're going to beat the Giants. The Giants' defense is, is good, but I don't think the Giants' offense has the ability to, to, to go score for score with those three Cowboy receivers. Zeke is getting healthier, and Andy Dalton's playing some good football lately. Maybe a, a veteran groomer for, for a Jets rookie quarterback. I would keep an eye on that one. Uh, but I'll go with the Cowboys minus one and a half. And for my Wait, other one. Minus one and a half. I had that at two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. Oh, it's it's down to one and a half. So that means I'm on the wrong end of that thing. Um, it's flip. That means the score is flipping towards the Giants. Um, and then I'll go with uh, Jets plus three. Uh, my last pick of this of week 17, I'll go Jets. They, they finally snapped that losing streak to the Patriots. Last one. I uh, remember the game so vividly. I actually saw it come up on my, I remember uh, I had the video uh, from the press box of Decker catching the touchdown. Uh, to beat the Patriots way back when it looked like the Jets might be going to the playoffs. Um, the last playoff run and competent, meaningful December football I've covered. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. I covered the Giants playoff run and the Eagles playoff run. So that there doesn't <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, final episode of 2020. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> What's your New Year's resolution? Real quick, any New Year's resolutions? Uh, um, to, to be a great podcast host. Mine is to unplug a little more. <laughs> not be on yes, Twitter. Um, there did you watch uh, social, social no, media? No, I did not. And I know that I'm like the, the biggest. I They probably have me on there. So, yeah. I told Brie I could give it I up. I have Twitter well, I in my hands 24-7. Yep, I can't get yeah. off of it. It's horrible. I can give I up Instagram. Yep. I give up Instagram and Facebook easy. Yeah. TikTok yeah. can be tough because it's just funny. I love TikTok. Yeah. I, I okay, let's end on that. <laughs> but I, uh, I, lo- I do love TikTok. Oh, it's very man. funny. They're very I've, good. I've pretty and much Twitter, I, I could not give up Twitter. Yeah, I couldn't because I just need the information and I yeah. need like for work, like it's there. I need it. But the TikTok was like be one I would tough because I like that for so like for fun reasons. Like that one be tough as Instagram, Facebook be easy to quit. I'd be easy to give that one up. Yeah. All right, one more day I to know take advantage. Is though I to decide? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I we got to go, Connor. <laughs> I gotta think. I'm gonna All pop right. on birds with friends and, and tell them my New Year's resolution. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, one more uh, one more day to take advantage of our holiday deal at the Athletic or theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait Podcast. If you gift a subscription, you get a subscription for free. That is through New Year's Eve. So one more day to take advantage of that. We'll talk to you again in 2021. A bright new future for the New York Jets coming up.